So, life. Well, actually, let me start by just saying this is uh, the final week, week three of the series that we've been doing. Um, the series on, it's not up there. We don't need that slide for a little while. Uh, God, our mighty fortress from Psalms 46. There we go. So, look, what I thought I'd do is, is just start um, with a bit of a, a, an illustration, a bit of a truism from life. You know, life can, as Sarah was saying up front, life can throw stuff at you, right? Curveballs. Sometimes it's relentless. Sometimes it's the, that big bomb that just comes out of nowhere. But life throws stuff at you all, all the time, like bills and finances. And then before you know it, oh, there's another one. There's work. And then, and then there's maybe study for some people. And then life, oh, hang on. Wait up. And then, and then you sort of struggle to pick it all back up, and then that goes there. And then you've got, <clears throat> then, but when you at least, well, actually, life admin, that just, that comes with everything else, right? And then you've got, maybe there's dramas with your friends, and then maybe there's, well, Sarah spoke about that one. That was yours, wasn't it? Hello, anyone out there? And then before, oh, hello. And then before you know it, you've got, You've got to preach at church as well. And, and like, what does that do to your week, right? And before you know it, you've got all this stuff that you're trying to juggle. Whoa. And you're trying to support. And you're trying, oh dear. And so God comes along and says, you know what? You don't have to carry all that. Why don't you give some of it to me? And you go, yeah, you know what? Like, this health thing that I'm going through like, I've tried, I've gone to the doctors, I've spoken to people, I've done everything I can, but you know what, there's just, there's no more I can do on this. So God, I'm going to give that one to you. And sometimes you sort of hand it to him and sometimes it just kind of falls over there. You know what I mean? Yeah? All right, we don't have to lay with the illustration. And so then God says, hey, you know what, I can take more than one. You're still struggling, like there's still a few here you need to still pick up. Like, you're kind of kicking them along the curb, right? It's like, yeah, I've got that. Study's over there. I've forgotten all about study. Like, that's, I'm not the only one, right? And, and so you go, well, you know what, God? You take that one. And if you take that one, then maybe, maybe I've got time to pick up that life admin again. And, and God says, you know what? I can take more. And so you hand over something else. And maybe that's, oh, maybe that's family, and you get to a point where God says, give me some more. I can take more. And, and all the friends dramas going there. And all of a sudden, you can handle work and life admin and preaching on Sabbath. Like, but the study's still over there. So you go, well, God, you know what? That sermon, that's yours anyway. So I'm just going to dump that over there with you, all right? You look after that. I'll handle these. And maybe, yeah, there you go. I can pick that one up again. So we're doing all right but I'm still puffed, right? And, and so I go, oh, God, you know what? That study, I'm kind of going to fail anyway if I do it myself, so I can go over there with you. And God says, you know that work stuff? You know how the boss has been on your case and it's really getting you down and you know how those students are an absolute pain in the whatever? Well, give that to me as well. And you go, well, you know what? Let's just give it all to God. And you take a deep breath, and you go, yeah, that feels a lot better. 
well, look at you, God. You've got all that. And I'm doing all right. So I might just be able to take, you know what, family, I can take that one back. You look after the rest, but I can take that one back. And then before you know it, something happens. Usually it's probably one of these ones. Something else happens in life, and you get hit with the cost of living. And you go, hey, God, like, I don't know how I'm going to pay, take, pay the bills, and the bills come in. And you start to think about it, and you worry about it, and you stress about it. And before you know it, now you're holding two boxes. And then something happens with your study. You fail something, or something goes really well. Maybe something goes really well. And you go, hey, that was a breeze. I'm going to take that one back, God, because you know what? I've got that one under control now. And you can see where this is going, right? Before too long, I've got all those boxes back in my hands and they're just a mess. That's what life is often like for me. Is that what life is often like for you? And we talk about being still. We talk about God, our fortress. We talk about God, our helper. We talk about this amazing God who helps us through life, who saves us. And yet we're walking around juggling all these boxes and dropping them behind us because we've taken them all back. So our verse this morning, well, actually the verse, I just thought we'd read through the passage, Psalms 46, that we've been looking at um, through over the last four weeks, really. Let's have a quick look at that up on the screen. Psalms 46, starting in verse 4. Let's just reflect on this for a moment. A river brings joy to the city of our God and the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes all the wars to end throughout the whole earth. He breaks the bow. He snaps the spear. He burns the shield with fire. He puts an end to all the war and conflict and chaos. And then we've got today's passage. And God speaks. And he says, be still. And know that I am God. I will be honoured by every nation. I will be honoured throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Now, Psalms describes a time of war, a time of conflict, a time of turmoil. A time where the world is just falling apart. And I know that we all have times like that in our lives where the foundations of life are literally shaken. And it reminds me of a story that is an oldie but a goodie, and I absolutely love it. The story of Chippy the parakeet. Do you know it? Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One second he was peacefully perched on his cage, the next he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. The problems began when Chippy's owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. And just at that moment, the phone rang and she turned to pick it up. And she barely got to say hello when whoop, Chippy got sucked in. The bird owner gasped, 
put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, opened up the bag, and there was Chippy, still alive, but stunned. Since the bird was covered in dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom and turned on the faucet and held Chippy under the running water. Then realising that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate burn odor would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted Chippy with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, the, re- the local reporter who had initially written about the event contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. Just kind of sits there and stares. And it's not hard to see why. Sucked in, washed up, and blown over. And that's enough to steal the song out of the stoutest of hearts. And I think I like that story because I've seen firsthand how young kids can treat their little pet birds. And there have been numerous times where we've had to tell kids, no, you can't use a vacuum cleaner to clean the birdcage. So there's something quite relatable for me about that story. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know, perhaps, if you're facing insurmountable challenges or stressful life changes, shattering losses, anxious dead ends, health issues, work issues, financial issues, maybe conflict with others. Maybe conflict with yourself, with your own thoughts, your own fears, your own anxieties. It's so easy to get caught up in our own lives and what's happening around us that we can quickly lose sight of God and instead try to do everything ourselves. Isn't that true? Yet despite everything the devil can throw at you, God promises that he is a mighty fortress that will always give us safety and always give us peace. That's a promise we can hold on to. That's a promise we can claim and cling to. So when we read that passage and it says, be still. Being still, I know for me growing up at least, uh, in, a, in a religious setting, was, was often linked to being quiet in church, being reverent. And yet, when the word is used here, the Hebrew word that's used has nothing to do with being quiet. The literal translation of that word for still means to put your arms down by your side, to put your hands down by your side. That's the literal translation of be still. Now, I want you to think for a moment. How would you charade some emotions? How would you charade fear? Knuckles up against your your face, that kind of thing, yeah? How would you charade, let's pick another one, how would you charade pressure or stress? Maybe, oh, underneath being weighed down? How would you charade frantic life? A bit like this, running around. How would you charade conflict? Stick them up. And you think about it. This word rougher that's used for still in the Hebrew is the exact opposite to all of those things. It's be still. It's not this. It's not that. Jazz hands. It's not that. It's this. And it applies an act of surrender or stopping your hostility, stopping your striving, letting go, relaxing, submitting to God's lead. 
And remember the context of this verse. It's a time of war. It's a time of chaos, a time of turmoil. This isn't a call to be quiet. It's a command to stop fighting. Be still means to stop the frantic activity and just let go. You almost breathe out when you do that, don't you? Let go. That's what this word's all about. And why do we let go? Because ultimately, God is in control. You think about so many stories from the Bible. You think about the story of Jesus calming the storm. The Bible actually describes it as a fierce storm. Not a storm, a fierce storm. And the disciples were fighting the waves, frantically bailing out the boat, trying to save themselves. But really, all they had to do was look at the one who could calm the storm with just a few words. In Mark, it says, Jesus woke up and simply said, silence, be still. And suddenly, instantly, the wind stopped and everything was calm. That's what the Bible says. Everything was calm. And then Jesus turned to them and asked, why were you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Being still means ceasing fighting and instead trusting God to be our help in a time of need. And so often we put far too much pressure on ourselves and, and we fail. And, and it's all when we should be relying on God. We're carrying so many burdens and we're fighting so many fights that we were never intended to carry. We were never intended to fight. God's happy to do that for us. I love the story uh, in Exodus when the children of Israel exit out of Egypt and they go just a, a short way down and they've got the, not the Dead Sea, the Red Sea in front of them and they've got Pharaoh's army coming behind them. Do you remember the story? And the people, the elders, turn to Moses and they say, why did you do this? Didn't we tell you to leave us in Egypt? It would have been better to be slaves in Egypt than to die out here in the wilderness. And they're whinging and complaining and asking, what are you going to do? How are you going to save us? How is this God going to save us? And I love what God tells Moses to tell the people. He says, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. These Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just be still. You know, so often it's li in life, it's like we take these boxes back and, and Jesus is there beside us, just pleading with us, face palming probably, just going, stop. Just stop trying to do things on your own. You have nothing to fear or worry about when I'm with you. I will fight your battles. I will take care of the enemy. Just step out of my way. Step back. Have faith in who I am and what I can do. Let me be God. Don't try and do my job for me. That's a phrase we've often heard in our house. Don't be the parent. That's my job. And I can just imagine God so often saying that to each one of us. Be still, be patient, and let me go to work in your life. You see, when things are chaotic, it's human nature to respond in a similar fashion, chaotically. 
to try and calm the storm ourselves, to take back our boxes. And when we're frantically running around trying to do everything ourselves or trying to do things our way, we lose sight of God. In fact, we're frantically running around trying to do things our way because we've already started to lose sight of God. It's a vicious cycle. We forget about his power. We focus on ourselves. And when we are still, we can remind ourselves that God's got us in his hands. Just, that, just like the words of that last song that we sang. When we choose not to be still, when we choose to take those boxes back, we start building our own kingdoms. We make everything about ourselves. And when we place God in his proper place, that's when we recognize it's his kingdom. And that's when we receive God's peace. In all of these things, we still receive God's peace. Even if your world's falling around apart you, apart around you, you still receive God's peace. Because God says his peace is beyond understanding and he gives it freely. So the purpose of stopping isn't just for stopping's sake. The purpose of being still is actually to recenter, to refocus our life on the one who is actually in control. And when we're going at a frantic pace, we're acting like it all falls on us, but God is the one who can calm the storms of our life. And I have to say, when I got this topic, I, the first thought that came to my head was, wow, this is actually a really awkward message to preach on. Because we've all heard it. God can help you. God can be your fortress. God can protect you. We've all heard it. As Christians, we've grown up with it. We all know it. And yet, it can be really hard to live it. In the last couple of months in preparing for this, I've spoken to so many people, Christians, about this very thing. How easy do you find it to give stuff to God and leave it with him and not take it back? And I'd say probably nine times out of ten, people said that was something they really struggled with. This is something that's really hard. And I want you to ask yourself that question on a scale of whatever, one to ten. How good are you at handing your boxes over to God and leaving them with God? Often handing over can be kind of easy, but it's the leaving it. It's the not stressing about it that can be hard. And let's clarify something here. Giving to God doesn't mean you just sit and do nothing. What it means is you stop stressing and fearing and you claim his peace. You claim his presence. You still have to do these things, but God deals with the stress and the anxiety and the guilt and the fear and the worry that's linked to these boxes. And that can be really hard to live out. So how do we do that? How do we be still and recenter on God? What you know what it all comes down to is sounds cliche, faith. It all comes down to a faith that enables you to truly surrender and not just play at surrender. 
The Apostle Paul says that faith comes from hearing the good news about Jesus Christ in Romans 10. So we ask the question, what can we do to actually help us live this better in our lives? What can we do to hand it over, keep it over and not stress? The first thing Paul says is that in Romans 10, 17, he says, faith comes from hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. So the first thing we can do is get into his word. Look at how he's helped others. In all the stories of the Bible, look at how he's interacted with people and helped them. And, and reflect on his love and his character, what he's done for his children. Get into his word. Remind yourself. And more than that, read his promises. And more than that, claim God's promises, especially the ones for comfort and peace and protection and provision. Claim them. The Holy Spirit isn't called the comforter for no reason. He's got the power to help you with this. But perhaps the best tip that I discovered is reading and reflecting on what Jesus did for us on the cross. If Jesus devised that plan and committed to leaving heaven and to that plan, and if he was willing to see through the cross and the grave to the bitter end, if he did that all, if he did all that for me, all that for you, what wouldn't he do for you? So the first thing we can do is get into his word, remind ourselves, read the promises, claim the promises. Another thing we can do is simply just be mindful of God's bigger perspective. Zoom out. Zoom out to the big picture rather than focusing on our micro experiences. Start to talk to God about what else might be at play here. You can also remember what he's done for you in the past. And that's a really powerful one. Samuel uh, talks about that with David as well when David's going through hard times. Talk to others about what he's done for them in their past. You know, we tend to focus on the problems that are right in front of us rather than the storms of life that God has already brought us through. Look back. Remember. Remember how faithful God has been in your life and the lives of the people around you. And in the text that we were reading this morning, the text that's still on the, on the, on the board there in verse 8, it actually says, Come see the glorious works of the Lord. Well, another thing we can do is we can actually learn to find contentment. And we can do that from, from remembering what he's done for us in the past. Yeah, at the time, at the time it, it felt bad. At the time, you know, I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't understand what was happening. But now when I look back, weeks, months, years later, I can see the bigger picture. And from that, I can gain some contentment to know that, hey, whatever I'm going through now, it's the same God. Nothing's changed. And so I can learn to find contentment. And I can exercise, like you would exercise a muscle, I can actually exercise acceptance that things may not always go exactly the way I want, but that's okay as long as God's driving. I know one of the things that I found helps in my life is just constantly talking to God about it. In prayer, in meditation, in whatever you want to call it, just constantly talking to him about it. Um, 
and there's a few things that happen. One thing that happens is I'm actually reminding myself that this is something I've put in God's corner. I'll bring it to him. I'll say, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened today. You know that whole, um, might be this one. You know that whole issue with the finances. Another bill came in today. But you know what? I've given that to you. Yeah, yeah. I, like, when it came in, I started to stress about it. I started to think, how are we going to pay that? But you know what? I've given that to you. And I'm constantly reinforcing in my own mind through the conversation that I'm having with God, I've given this to you. But something else happens in that conversation. It's a little bit, have you ever been in a situation where you've just needed to sit down and talk to a friend about it? And as you talk it through with a friend, they, they're trying to support you, they're trying to help you, and, and maybe they start to come up with some ideas. You know, maybe they start to present some concepts that might give you some hope. Maybe they say something that strengthens you. Maybe they talk to you about a promise from the, from the Bible that can strengthen you. And slowly, because of the conversation, the problem starts to feel not quite so big. You know what they say about a problem shared? And the same thing happens in the conversations I have with the Holy Spirit. He starts to talk to me. He starts to show me. And all of a sudden, the problems don't seem quite so big. That's something that's helped in my life. And so I ask you the question again. How do you do this? Because it might be that ways you've found that work for you might work for somebody else who's actually kind of struggling with that at the moment. It might be something that's worth talking about at the lunch this afternoon or talking with other friends. How do you deal with this? What works for you? I was talking to one person um, who actually said what really works for them is they, to, to actually have the visual. So this person actually writes out the stresses, the fears, the worries, the boxes on little post-it notes and puts it in a glass jar by their bed so that every time they start worrying about it, they see that reminder and go, no, I've given that to God. Stop. There's all different ways that we can, we can live this in our day-to-day life. And so I challenge you to find ways that help you. I challenge you to find ways that, that you can maybe share with others who might be struggling with this as well. But the trick is that it's a constant action of faith. Constant action of faith. Um, for us recently, it's been a little bit like our oldest child being on their L's for the last year. You know, you go out for a drive, especially, not so much now, I have to give her credit with that, but when she was first learning, you'd go out and, and you'd be driving and before too long you'd realise you're sitting there and your, your fists are clenched and your knuckles are white and you're sitting there and you go, no, actually, she's doing all right and you have to consciously let go and five minutes later you realise you're doing this again. And it's just like the boxes. You take it back again. And you have to remind yourself, no, she's actually doing really well. Open those hands up. Put them by your side. Be still. It's a constant reoccurring action of faith that helps us deal with this on a day-to-day basis. We need to practice leaving our boxes with God.